with stories, right? No, we're not. We're talking about the Holy Ghost, right? Which is another term for the Holy Spirit. If you read some of the old translations, it says the Holy Ghost. I kind of like it. It's fun to say Holy Ghost. Amen. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what it's all about today. And uh, we're going to be continuing uh, in this series. And we're really, I'm really excited about what we've got today. Right? It's, uh, it's all about power from on high. It's about the Holy Spirit coming upon us and working, really working through us for his purposes. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, I want to say something real quick. If you don't have the Austin Chapel app, you can download it and there's sermon notes in there. You can, if your internet speed's really good, you might be able to do it real fast. If not, you can download it later. And in future weeks, the sermon notes are always in there. They've got questions that you can answer and, and then you can also like email it to yourself so that you have a copy of it. Um, for reference, so keep that there. There's also like a Bible reading plan in there with audio. Like if if you like, you know, have a hard time reading the Bible, you can listen to the Bible in our Austin Chapel app. So just keep that in mind. All right, if you want to get there, we'll also have slides for most of the scriptures today. Our topic is um, the Holy Spirit. We started this series. We really explored who is the Holy Spirit, right? It's a good. It's a good question. If you're if you're here today and you're you're a little unsure, or if you've missed some of the sermons, what we talked about is that the Holy Spirit is a part of the triune Godhead, right? So He is not just a force in the world. He is a part of the triune Godhead. He's a person of God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's really important that we know that the Holy Spirit is a, is a person. He's a part of the triune God. He's not just a force that works throughout the world. That's a misconception. Scripture t- clearly teaches that he's a part of the triune God. He's a person with will, uh, with a will, emotions, a name, and all the char- characteristics of God. We talked about, really, that the Holy Spirit's main focus in the world today is to bring about glory for Jesus. The Holy Spirit's purpose in the world today is to bring about glory for Jesus. It's really important that we repeat that and we understand that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, is he's bringing about the glory of Jesus. Jesus said that he would come, that he would send the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would come, he would empower us, but ultimately it was so that Jesus' name would be glorified. And so it's important that everything we talk about, especially the things that we talk about today, being the spiritual gifts and power and all of these things, that we know that the purpose of all of it is what? The glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus. We have to know that. And so we, as we looked at all of the things that the Holy Spirit does this, these last two weeks, we summed it up into really three um, Words with, in, and upon. If you look at Scripture, how the Spirit operates, there are three relationships that you have with the Holy Spirit. The first is that the Holy Spirit is with us. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is with the world. In the Greek, that word is para. Um, this is oftentimes before before conversion. All people have. Um, the Holy Spirit operating, convicting them of sin and trying to get them to, to acknowledge God and, and even acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's the main thing that the Holy Spirit is doing with the world. And then when, when someone confesses that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in them and regenerates them. That's what we, we talked about how the Holy Spirit uh, regenerates us and makes us a new creation, a new creature. We're not the same person anymore because the Holy Spirit is working in us to transform us. And he starts producing fruit. He starts producing righteousness in our life. We don't look like the same person anymore. When the Holy Spirit's working in us, those old things start to pass away because he's working in us and bringing us to new things. Good works and and the fruits of the Spirit and righteousness. All those things. And it's all in his power and his strength. Because the thing about Christianity is when you open it up and you, you look at the Bible. And a lot of times people go, this is really hard. I'm not sure if I can do this. Like, like, I'm still struggling with some stuff, and it seems like there's a lot of rules. I don't know if I can do it, and the truth is that you can't, because you and your flesh are unable, but the Holy Spirit comes in, and as He's regenerating you, as you're putting your mind on Him, and you're, you're walking with Him, living your life in Him, He begins to transform you and gives you power and strength to resist sin, but more than that, church, to live a better life. Like, it's not just about restrictions. Like, that's a misconception. The Holy Spirit isn't there to just restrict you from doing those fun things that you used to do. 
Right? That's not what it's about. It's actually to give you purpose for your life. And you find more joy and peace living in the Spirit than you would anywhere else. And we, we know that's true. And, and it's clearly what Scripture teaches here. And then last, we're talking about upon the believer, which in Greek is the epi. Um, this is where it gets a little controversial. right? And sometimes people think this is where Christianity can get a little weird. Right? Like, but we're in Austin, and what's Austin's slogan? Keep Austin weird, right? You guys ever, like, go around Austin, and you're like, yeah, let's keep Austin weird. Like, there's some good weird, right? And then every once in a while, you run into somebody, or you see something Austin, and you're like, well, not that kind of weird, though. <laughs> Anybody else? Or is that just me? Like, every once in a while, you're like, let's keep Austin weird like that, but not like that, <laughs> right? Like, uh, Portland, Oregon. Copy the Austin, uh, keep Austin weird, but they call it, okay, see, people say, there's a big controversy between Portland people and Austin people, Austinites and Portlandites, uh, between who said it first, okay, if you look it up, Austin was first, I have like, I was, I'm from Oregon originally, but I feel like more of a Texan now, is that okay, am I allowed to be a Texan now, I just made everyone mad, okay, so, uh, Here's the thing. People are always like, oh, like Austin's original, keep Austin weird, which I think the, the, like the, the actual slogan Austin had originally, and Portland's using it. But let me tell you, Portland is way more weird. <laughs> and like almost all like in the bad way. It's only been like the last 10 years that Portland got weird in a good way. Before it was like weird in a really bad way, like sketchy weird. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. But oftentimes we look at, at Christianity and there are some weird things. And I want to say this. Some of the things that the Holy Spirit does are weird, but in a good way. Like they're not normal. They're supernatural. And they're weird in a good way. But sometimes there's also things that happen that I think get his name on it that are weird in a bad way. I mean, I've seen people convulse on the floor in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sorry if you read the Gospels, the people doing that were demon-possessed. Okay? You don't see that as evidence of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. But in Scripture, we do see some things that are weird to the natural. Right? They're weird to the us who, who like, are used to normal like life. But God is working there. And so I want to clarify, the Holy Spirit can do weird things, but they're good weird things. Are you guys ready to do weird? No, you're probably not. Trust me, it's going to be good, okay? So this is a pawn. There's also, there's some debate on what this means exactly. Even There's different theological viewpoints on this whole thing of the Holy Spirit's power um, coming upon um, believers. Um, I believe that there is really three relationships with the Holy Spirit that all people can have. The first is we talked about the with. The Holy Spirit is with us, convicting us of sin and pointing us to Jesus. The second is in us, which happens at conversion when you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He makes you a new person. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. He seals you for salvation. But you see in Scripture another experience or another relationship, which is the upon. And sometimes it happens at conversion, Sometimes it seems to happen later, after conversion, and sometimes even after baptism. And it gets a little tricky. There's a lot of debate about this. And some will call it the filling of the Holy Spirit. Some will call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some will say that that's crazy talk. You get it right at salvation. Um, Even um, guys who theologically disagree a lot... um, or a lot of them are starting to really realize as they study Acts, like even Piper and some of these guys are saying there has to be a second experience for the believer. Because to read Acts and deny it, um, it is, is really difficult um, to do honestly to read Acts and deny that there's another relationship besides the indwelling of the Spirit. And we call that the upon, right? When it's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, for power. And that's really what we're going to be talking about most um, today. I believe firmly there is this next level of relationship with the Holy Spirit where He's upon you, empowering you to build up the church and for mission. Okay? It's not the same as when you're working on your own personal righteousness. It's not the same as when you're just learning to love and help others and, and, and stop doing those old things you used to do. It's more than that. It's power from on high so that you start being a witness in the world. So that you start building up the church and, and truly ministering to others. 
And um, we see that here. The, again, the whole point of this, though, is that Christ would be known. Jesus, Jesus told them in uh, Acts 1.8, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So this is the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples, is that I'm going to send this Holy Spirit, and when he comes upon you, you will receive power. And we see in Acts chapter 2 that the disciples, as they're waiting and they're praying, the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing wind. And there's these tongues of fire upon them. And from there, they go out and they start leading thousands and thousands to the Lord. These are the same men who just prior had been denying Jesus. They believed in Jesus, but they had been denying him. Right? They had denied, they had fled. And then after the resurrection... You know, Peter, he was like, I would never deny you, Lord, before the resurrection. Or, and then after the resurrection, he's like, I'm so sorry I denied you. And Jesus restores that relationship. But Peter's still not going around preaching yet. It's not until the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter that he has power and he's leading thousands to the Lord. Right? What the Holy Spirit did was t- took fear, to confidence, right? It took doubt to faith. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It empowers you for ministry. And that's what we see with Peter. We see this man who was timid, who was afraid, who was falsely arrogant, right? He was falsely confident. I would, I would never deny you. But then, once the Spirit is upon him, things change. He starts ministering, and ultimately, he gives his life up for the Lord. As he was crucified upside down. We see that when the Holy Spirit comes upon people... They receive power, but ultimately it's so that they can be witnesses of him. All right. So, it's power from on high so that you'll be a better witness and build up the church. And then we get to this thing called spiritual gifts. Right? The Holy Spirit gives believers spiritual gifts when he comes upon them. Spiritual gifts are oftentimes the thing that I believe the church is the most ignorant of. Um, Chuck Smith, I really like him, he said, I do not know of any subject of which there is more ignorance in the church today than the subject of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, I don't know of any subject that Christians are more ignorant of. And I would say this, it's both sides. Because in this kind of theological debate, you have some who say, yeah, the Holy Spirit doesn't do the stuff he used to do. He doesn't do the, the, the powerful stuff anymore. You know, you, you just need to pretend that that doesn't exist anymore, even though the scriptures give us no indication that they went away. And so that's kind of, they're kind of ignorant in that sense. And then you have others who are like, the gifts are the whole point. In fact, if you don't have any gifts, you're not even a Christian. Right? And they, they take it another way, and they start ignoring Scripture as well. And they start misusing the gifts sometimes, and, and saying that if you don't have this one certain gift, then, then you're not even a believer. Um, there's ignorance on both sides. Paul, uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The first thing he says when he starts talking about the gifts is, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Right? Paul's heart was that the church would, be not, would not be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. Who here wants to be ignorant like, of anything? Right? Like, it's such a, like, a mean thing to say to somebody. Like, you're ignorant. <laughs> right? None of us want to be ignorant, do we? Do you want to be ignorant about the spiritual gifts? I don't. I want to know fully what God has for me. I want to know what Scripture says about these. I want to know what He wants to do through me. So I want us to be well informed, but more than that, I want us to experience them, okay? It's one thing for us to just have head knowledge about them. It's another thing if we're actually open to the Holy Spirit giving us those gifts and us actually using them, amen? 
So let me say this. For us to just read about them would be a disservice. Uninformed is not just about intelligence or knowledge. This is also about experience. Okay? Both. We're going to continue reading here in 1 Corinthians. We'll jump down to verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to, an, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Right? So, a few things here. There are many different types of gifts, and not everybody's going to have the same type of gifts, and the Holy Spirit distributes them as He wills. It's really important to know that. I've had many people ask me, can a believer have all of the gifts? And it's like a good, like, in, it's a question with like a good intent here. Can a believer have all of the gifts? But we don't see any evidence of that because the Bible says that he distributes them as he wills. And then Paul would also say later, do all prophesy? Do all have faith? Do all speak in tongues? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no, not all. But God wants to give you specific gifts that will empower you for the ministry he has planned for you. And here's the thing that I've realized, because I used to be like, man, I want every spiritual gift. These are all so awesome. Like, a, I just want to work on all of them. And I think in some extent, God will use you maybe in almost all of them a little bit. But when it's a, truly a supernatural gift from the Holy Spirit in your life, it's consuming. It becomes something that you are all about. And you can't be all about 20 things, right? Like, you can't be all about all of these things. You, there are some that go really well together. And so you have, somebody will have a few that are like really similar and work really well together for the ministry that God has called them for. And another might have a different grouping of gifts that they're all about. And it's not that like, you know, like someone who's all about serving in hospitality. It's not that they can't also teach. It's just that maybe they're not going to be all about teaching. Does that make sense? Like a spiritual gift from God is when it truly is something that you're consumed by spiritually. Like you're like, that's my thing. Like I, I, if I can't do that, like... What can I do? You know, it's like, I, I need to do that. I need to serve. I need to preach. I need to, I need to prophesy. I need to speak in tongues. I need to pray for people to be healed. Like I, like, and it's almost like a burning in your bones. Like, I need to see this happen because it's a gift from God that he wants you to use. And there's something in you that goes, I have to use it. I have to go, right? So here we see that there are many different types of gifts. This is one list. You find other lists in Ephesians 4 and Romans 12. I'm going to go through here just a long list of the different gifts that we see specified in Scripture. We have a slide for this as well. Um, evangelism. Right? Like, it's all Christians are called to, to be witnesses. We know that's true. The Bible says that all disciples would make disciples and they would be his witnesses. But there's some people who are gifted in it. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Like, it is, like, natural for them. And if they don't do it, they feel like they're being restricted spiritually. Because it's their gift. They have the gift of evangelism. Many of these are that way. We see prophecy, which prophecy can be some sort of foreknowledge. But it's also just really giving God's people God's word. Um, And that can be of current things or future things at times um, if God um, decides to do that. Teaching. Uh, exhortation, which um, exhortation is basically getting people to go, getting people to move, getting people to act, calling them out, getting them going. Shepherding, which is is much like uh, uh, pastoring or looking over the flock. We see mercy, um, serving, giving, like all Christians are called to give. But there are some people who just love 
to give. Like their whole life is about giving. They have the spiritual gift of giving. We see administration. Every church is looking for those. <laughs> like, like it's the most underrated gift. Like we need more administrators. Apostleship, we see that in the sense of, in the early church, they had the apostles, which was kind of capital A apostles, but um, I believe there's also a spiritual gift of apostleship that's for today, which is really the work of a missionary, those who are being sent. That's literally the meaning of it, is to be sent out. Um, Leadership, faith, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, hospitality, And then we get to the weirder ones, the ones that a lot of people want to pretend don't exist anymore. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, and healing. So we see here that there are a number of gifts, and the Holy Spirit gives them out as He wills. And I believe the spiritual gifts come when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you're empowered for ministry, he gives you spiritual gifts to do that ministry. Whether it's to build up the church or to grow the church in a sense of evangelism and reaching out through mission. Now what's really interesting, if you keep reading in Corinthians, Paul does a wonderful job of of elaborating the purpose of, and how these gifts are to be used. But we don't have time to read three chapters. So I'm going to summarize it. In the, the, rest of verse, uh, the rest of chapter 12, Paul tells them that it's all for the body. And that there's many different parts of the body of Christ. And each person receives these different gifts to be a different part. And we're not to elevate one part above another. Some gifts have you maybe up front, and so they seem so much greater. And Paul's like, no, you can't say, hey, I I have no need of you because I'm, I'm an ear, right? You can't say from one to the other, hey, the tongue has no need of the eye, the ears have no need of the feet. You can't say that. All of them are needed. Amen? All of the gifts are needed. All members of the body are are needed. And so whatever spiritual gifts God gives you, he gives them to you because the local congregation needs them and they need you to use them. That's the context here. He goes into the oneness of the body and how we're all part of this team, but it's in the context of spiritual gifts and a lot of people don't realize that. We love to talk about the body and how we all have parts, but he's it's in the context of the spiritual gifts. That we all have these spiritual gifts to use that God, is, that God wants to empower you with. Then he goes on to say that above all, we're to pursue love. We have the wedding chapter. You guys know what I'm talking about? The one that's read at every wedding. It, you know, almost every wedding. Uh, is that love is kind, it's patient, it's all, all of the things. He goes on to list them. But he says, ultimately, in the context, again, of talking about spiritual gifts, that we're to pursue love above all other things. And it's because sometimes gifts can become idols. Sometimes gifts can be held to a place where they're not supposed to be. And he's saying, no, ultimately all of this is for love. Love of God and love of people. And we have to keep that in context that it's a part of one body in which love is a focus, the pursuit. And the gifts are used in that context. And then he goes on to clarify what is probably the most controversial gift Tongues, right? Is anybody here like super confused about tongues? Anybody have like an uneasy feeling about it? Anybody? Yeah? A few of you? Tongues are the most controversial gift of the Spirit today because they are what? The weirdest, right? Right? Okay. Tongues are an angelic language. Paul talks about it. If I speak in the tongues of angels that the believer gets or some believers get, and they, it's like a prayer language. And sometimes, like at Pentecost, they were speaking in some tongue. There was a miracle where people were able to hear them in their own language. And people will say, hey, like, look, the gift of tongues is actually the ability to supernaturally speak another language. And there's not actually really evidence of that. Because it says that they were hearing them in their own language, not that they were speaking their language. They were speaking some sort of spiritual tongue, and God did a miracle where people heard it in their language. 
That's what happened at Pentecost. So tongues is a spiritual gift in which they have a prayer language. The Holy Spirit is interceding on their behalf, praying on their behalf, speaking on their behalf. But Paul clarifies that it is of no profit to the body unless it's interpreted. And he actually calls it the least of the gifts. And there are some times where people take this tongues gift and elevate it as the most important gift. And is the only sign that you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. The only sign that you have the Holy Spirit is if whether or not you speak in tongues. And, and though I believe in the gift of tongues, I practice it regularly. Paul practiced it regularly. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But he says, I see it as the least of the gifts because unless there's an interpretation, then there is... There is no um, profit for the body. And he says if you're just speaking in tongues during, during service or, or in the gathering of believers and there's no interpretation and, and everybody else is singing and there's a sound in the background and everybody's kind of like, what is, what's going on over there? It's, it's distracting and it's only benefiting you and not the body. And the goal is to benefit the body to love the body. That's the goal of the gift. So this gift of tongues is to be used properly. As Paul outlines in Scripture, that it would be um, in, with interpretation if it's going to be in a public setting, um, and not to be elevated higher than it, than it should. And we do see um, that that does happen. But Paul calls it the least of the gifts because without interpretation, it doesn't benefit the body, whereas every single other gift automatically is beneficial to the body. Does that make sense? That's why it's the least. And the ultimate goal is the oneness of the body and the love of the body. That's the purpose of these these gifts. Okay. Three points I want to make about the Holy Spirit being upon you. My first point is there are many moons, right? I'm not like Native American all of a sudden and being like, many moons ago, <laughs> right? Uh, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying there are many moons. This, the moon reflects the light of the sun. It is not its own light, but it reflects the light of the sun. And we, when the Holy Spirit is upon us, when the Holy Spirit is shining upon us, are reflecting His light, right? So we need to let that light shine, Let's read here. We're going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Now that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as... um, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we are, listen to that. Are, are, you, are you getting what he's saying here? It's amazing. He's saying that God is making us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, which is in the Spirit. If we don't get this, there's no point. We should just go home, okay? I'm serious. If we don't get this, we should just go home. God is entrusting you to minister the new covenant of Jesus Christ. He's entrusting you to minister the power of the Holy Spirit. If that doesn't get you excited, I do not know what could. Right? God is entrusting you with power from on high to bless others, to to help others grow, to bring others to Jesus. This is amazing. This This is powerful. If we can't get excited about this, truly, we have no business gathering as a church because this is the whole point. All right? It's the whole point. These gifts are here for us to minister the new covenant. Okay, let's continue reading here. 2 Corinthians 3.12 Since we have such a hope, um, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But, one, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. 
Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the spirit, the Lord, who is the spirit. This is the whole point of this spirit working your life in you and upon you is that you would reflect the glory of God. That you would reflect the, the brightness of Jesus. Right? Moses, when he would go and he would spend time with the Lord, he would come back and his face was shining, and, and it was distracting and blinding, and so he would, he would veil himself. Right? And that was a symbol, really, of, of the cross not yet being there for all of us to experience here, is that now that Jesus has come, he has made a way, and through the Holy Spirit we behold the glory of God, and we shine, and we do not veil it. Christians veil it. We veil it, do we not? Sometimes we go and we read our Bibles, it's so good, and then we don't tell anyone. We veil ourselves again. And Paul's like, you're missing the point. There's freedom now. Take off the veil. Shine. Bless others. Tell others of how good Jesus is. Minister the gifts of the Spirit. Go forth. Go. That's the whole point. There are many moons, right? We have one moon. On Earth, I just like saw a headline. I didn't read the article that there might be a second moon around Earth. Yeah, that's it. Must just be a rock. Like, <laughs> like we don't see it clearly. The Earth has one moon. I don't know what these guys are talking about. I should have read the article. But listen, it's like Jupiter has many moons, right? And if you were on Jupiter, going on about your your gassy business, right? Uh, planet jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I like thought of that last night. I was like, should I include that in my sermon? I was like, nah. And then I just now was like, yes. Uh, you're going on about your gassy Jupiter business. And you look up in the night. And what would you see? You would see many moons. And all of those moons would be shining. But they would all be reflecting one Savior, right? Like the sun. One light. And was, we are many moons. And we are reflecting the one Savior. We are receiving the light from the one place. So the, the term here is that we are many moons. That God has called you. He has placed you where you're at. So that you would reflect His glory. And that's all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it. But the Holy Spirit wants to do it through your life. He wants to be upon you. He wants to shine upon you in a way that you minister to others. Alright. We talked about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit indwells a believer at salvation. I believe at a later point, sometimes at the same point, but oftentimes at a later point, there's another experience, there's another relationship that you gain with the Holy Spirit when the Spirit empowers you for ministry. And I see this all the time, but I also think that the, the terminology gets a little blown out of proportion and becomes too big of a deal. Like, it's like, hey, like, if you haven't had this moment where you receive tons, it's like this very emotional thing. You know, you know what the sign of being baptized or being filled with the Holy Spirit is? That you care about ministering. If you don't care about other people's relationship with God, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me just say that bluntly. You are not filled with the Holy Spirit if you are not concerned about ministry. That is the point of this uponness. It is the point of the gifts that you would care about building up the church. You would care about ministering the new covenant. You would care about reaching the lost. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you won't care about those things. And vice versa. If you do not care about those things, it's because you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's not because you're not saved. But it's because the Holy Spirit is not filling you up and not upon you. I believe there's a first time when this happens, but I also believe that you need it all the time. It's a free refill sort of thing. Because I see people who are so passionate about ministry, they were so passionate about something, and then something happens, or, or something in life changes, and all of a sudden they're like, ah, I don't care that much anymore. And they get in a dried out, burned out spell. And let me tell you, my second point is that there are free refills. There are free refills. The Holy Spirit continually wants to fill you up. Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. In Acts chapter 4, this is, this is after they've already been filled with the Holy Spirit. They already started preaching. There's thousands and thousands um, who are getting saved. And then what arises is they're 
there's persecution. The church starts being persecuted for the first times, and the believers gather together, and they pray again, and they're filled again, and they continue to minister. I believe that this is not just a one-time thing, but an all-the-time thing that you need. You continually need to go to the Spirit and say, I need your power. I can't do it on my own. Please empower me for ministry. Help me care for others truly. Help me find my place in this church. I need your Spirit's power. There are free refills. You ever go to a restaurant and they don't have free refills? It's awful. <laughs> like, it's the worst thing. Like, I intentionally try to go to coffee shops that have bottomless cups, right? Because I'll go study. And if you're going to be there for three, four hours, like just swiping that card every, you know, time, six, seven cups of coffee. Yeah, I really do drink that much. Uh, you know, it gets expensive. So you go somewhere that has free refills. So you just keep drinking. You, you need the Holy Spirit like that, right? And yesterday I was really tired all day. Mosa, she has like an annual camping trip that she does with her, her sister. So that's where she's at today. Um, you guys can judge her if you want. Right. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, please don't. And uh, Okay, so the Holy Spirit is refilling us like that. And, and I was tired all day yesterday. And I was like watching Lincoln. And I'm at home. And the only thing I had to do all day was, was finish writing the sermon. And it was like all day I just like couldn't. I was drowsy. I was, I was tired, right? And uh, I realized, I was like, I haven't had any caffeine all day. Like, I'm not in my normal routine, right? I didn't have my morning cup, my, like, mid-morning cup, <laughs> my afternoon rock star. Uh, <laughs> I had no caffeine. I'm like, no wonder. Like, normally I get a headache if I don't drink caffeine, uh, which is, like, an immediate sign that I need to go drink some caffeine. But I didn't have headaches yesterday. I was just really tired and, like, sleepy. And just, like, when he napped, I napped. When he watched a movie... I, I laid on the couch and kind of napped. Like, I got nothing done. And I even texted Melissa. I was like, I don't know how you get anything done. Like, it's just so tiring. Like, watching him is so much work. Uh, and it's almost like, like it's, a, it's a decent analogy, but it it's really falls short. Because as much as we need caffeine, right, to, to move, like I do, maybe you're better than me, but I need caffeine to go throughout my day. We need the Holy Spirit to go throughout our walk with the Lord. We need Him. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually, over and over. We need to know that there are free refills. I don't care if you feel burned out, tired. I don't, I don't care if you feel like, you know, like it's been too long now. Um, I remember back in the day when I was, you know, in ministry and I, I was all pow, uh, passionate. Or I remember when I first came to know the Lord, I was really passionate about Him and, and letting others know about Him. But now I'm just, I don't know, I don't care anymore. You know why? Because you're not taking those free refills. You're not going to him and, and truly sitting in his presence and being filled up. And that's why it's so tiring. That's why it's hard. I, uh, I really wish our church had interns. One day, okay? And I'll tell you why, right? Sometimes I see like these videos of like bigger churches and they'll like, like one Sunday has something crazy set up. And I'm always like, I want to do that, but I would need like five people to help me do it. And I really wanted to get a play set with a swing in here for this, this story, okay? And I was like, we need, I'm going to get some church interns to build me a play set in the future for this analogy. Uh, okay. I was at the park with my son. As I, I take him pretty often to, to the park, as every good dad should, all right? Uh, and I'm swinging him on the swing. And first thing is, there's one way to tell the difference between a father and a mother, there's one way, and it's how high they swing them on a swing. <laughs> like, whenever I go to the, the park and I put Lincoln in the swing, I swing him, like, high. Like, as high as that thing goes, and he loves it. And then there'll be, like, a mom with her kid, and they'll be, like, like this, <laughs> you know? And, like, clearly judging me. Like, clearly, like, that's dangerous. <laughs> uh, but I swing him high, Right? And what I've noticed is for him to stay at that consistent, perfect height, the height where it's like he's having the time of his life, but he's not going to fly out, right? There's this like perfect moment, like where there's a point where it's all inertia, and then there's a point where it becomes gravity. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's a point where it's like, whoa, they just got disconnected from like the energy there, and they're like, you, you see that fall? 
With a two-year-old, that's too far. I, even I know that, okay? So if he's like, like, every time, I know that's too far. But I know there's a perfect spot, like right where you're just at the, at the cusp of that, right? And, but to keep that consistently, I need to push him every time he comes back. Like that. You have to keep it going. Because if you miss one, he's not going to be at that same height. Just one. If you miss two or three, pretty soon he's like those wimpy kids. <laughs> They're not wimpy. Their moms are. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit is like that too. Again, another analogy that falls a little short because it's so much more important. But you need the Holy Spirit pushing you every day. You need that energy Every day. You need filled up every day. There is a first time where I believe it happens. You start receiving spiritual gifts. You start moving forward. You start ministering the new covenant. You start building up the church. You start evangelizing maybe. You know these things. But every day for you to continue. You need a constant filling of the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't pretty soon. It starts going back down. Every day you need the Holy Spirit. You need those free refills. Every day. So I, I, I don't know where you're at here. If you're like, this whole thing is weird. Why did they invite me on the day they're talking about the weird stuff? Or if you're like unsure, like you're like, I, don't, I think I have gifts. Do I? I? I don't know. Or maybe you're like, yeah, I definitely remember this time where I started caring about ministry. Right? I definitely remember this time where I all of a sudden got this passion I never had before. But maybe you're dry right now. For every one of us here today, I want you to know the Holy Spirit wants to fill you up. He wants to fill you up. He is willing to fill you up. He is willing to give you gifts. He is willing to do the work. But here's the thing. Are we ready or not? Are we ready or not? Do you remember playing um, hide and seek when you were a kid? Right? You close your eyes. And uh, they would say, count to ten. Right? And you go, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I see you. I see you. Right? Well, you're supposed to say, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Ready or not, here I come. Right? You remember that? And then we, like, you, when you're playing with your friends, you start have to adopt the rule of, like, you've got to say alligators or something or crocodile. Right? One alligator, two alligator. Ready or not, here I come. Right? The Holy Spirit is not like hide and seek. Right? He doesn't say, ready or not, here I come, and then just come. You have to truly be ready and willing. So when I say ready or not, it's a real question. Are you ready or not? Because the thing about the Holy Spirit is He's not going to give you gifts. He's not going to use you if you don't want to be used. The gifts have a purpose. They're not for you. Like it's not for you to just hoard up all the gifts and hide out. In your room, like, I've got all these spiritual gifts. Look at me. I preach to the wall every day. They're not for you. They're for a purpose. To be used to bless others, to build up the church, to reach the world. There's a clear purpose for them. And so the Holy Spirit says, ready or not. Are you ready? You have to be ready and willing. You have to be ready and willing. I remember, I thought tongues was weird. I was at a church where they did speak in tongues at some times, and they talked about it pretty often. And um, I would visit that church with a friend of, my, friend of mine. I would go to their Thursday night thing pretty often. And I always thought it was weird. In fact, I was very critical of them. I didn't understand it. I was very critical of it. I thought all of them were faking it. So one day, I was there, and I remember praying. And like, God, I, I do want more of you. Right? And I used to be so critical like, I used to go to worship, and, and not like, I remember you would go to these more charismatic churches, right? And, and they'd be like, everybody's got their hands in the air. Everybody was, like, jumping sometimes. You know, it was like youth stuff, right? They'd, they'd have, like, amped up worship, and everybody would be jumping and all this stuff. And I would, like, stand there and be like, that's not the way I worship. I, re- I worship reverently. <laughs> I worship reverently. And uh, I'd be critical of them. And I would... Like, some of my friends are like, why, like, you know, why don't you worship? And I'm like, well, probably most of them are faking it anyways. It's not a real experience. They're just faking it. I was so critical. And there came a point where on my own I was praying. And I remember saying finally to the Lord, like, I'm ready. I want whatever you want, not what I think. Like, what do you want to do, Lord? And once I was really true to, truly able to tell the Lord that I was ready, 
for whatever he wanted, I did receive the gift of tongues. And so if you're like, this thing is weird, Stephen. This whole, this thing, like, can we, can we be more on the safe side here and not the charismatic side? And I, I would tell you honestly, theologically and, and in practice, I believe that there's a nice balance in the middle. Like I really do. I think people can get carried away and abuse the gifts. And you can also abuse the gifts by pretending like they are not real. Pretending like it's just like, you know, your own human effort to be wise or to, be, to build up faith. When these are spiritual things. I think there's a nice balanced middle. That's what we believe. But let me tell you that these gifts are real. And God wants to empower you. But you have to be ready. And you have to be ready to say, uh, even if it's weird, I'll accept it. Right? And you may not give the gift of tongues. It isn't for everyone. But there are other gifts that God wants to give you. But if you're not willing to step out and use them, he won't give it to you. I remember for, for a period, I had some sort of gift of discernment where I would look at people and know something that they were struggling with. And, so, and I, when I acted upon it, it started happening more. I would go, hey, can I pray for you? You seem like you need prayer. And, and they would like, sometimes the people would be like, yes, like this, this thing is happening. And like all of a sudden they would start confessing all this stuff and then you would pray for him. And then it, he started giving me it more and I started getting selfish and going, I don't feel like it today. The Lord removed it. I stopped having it. If you don't practice the gifts, he's not going to continue to give it to you. In Acts 5.32 it says, And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Whom God has given to those who obey Him. We have to be willing to obey. Are you ready or not? Are you ready to move? Are you ready to operate in the spiritual gifts that God wants to give you? Are you ready or not? Church, I want each and every one of you to be empowered from on high. Like it is so important for your spiritual walk that you are operating in the Spirit's power. Do you, does anybody in here feel content with where you're at spiritually? Do any of you go, I'm good. I've, I've attained it. I'm there. I don't need any more of you, Jesus. I don't need any more of you, Holy Spirit. Because I'm not there. I absolutely need more of Him. Are you with me? Do you want more? You know, like, I, I'm, in, I'm in ministry. I, I am working full-time as well. I have a family. And, and I'm also doing school on the side. And there are so many times where I'm just like, God, I, I don't know. Like, you got to let me cut one of these. Which one? <laughs> All right. Can't cut the family. <laughs> uh, that's not even a funny joke. Uh, <laughs> I can't cut the family. And you know, like, every time I'm burned out, he's like, you know why you're burned out? When was the last time you really asked me for power? When was the last time you really asked me to start moving? And oftentimes, when he asks that, all the time when he asks that, it's like, oh, it's been a while, God. You know, I'm like, I'm preparing sermons, I'm preparing for community group, I'm preparing for this. And he's like, when was the last time you just sat with me and received from me? It's like, all right, Lord, I, gotta, I'm, I repent. I'm coming back to that. I need to spend more time with you just in long, longer sessions of prayer, longer sessions of reading to spend with you to receive. You know, you have the, you have in the Gospels where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And Jesus breaks the loaves and he gives to the disciples and the disciples give to the people. There's a chain there. That's a perfect picture of what the gifts are like, what ministry is like. It's his gift. He hands it to you so you can hand it to others. But if we're not coming to him, we actually don't have anything to offer them. Does that make sense? If we're not going to him and receiving the bread, then we don't have any bread to offer anybody else. Because it comes from Him. And so we only reflect His light. Because it's not your gift. It's His gift. You're just reflecting it. 
if you feel like you're running out, you feel like maybe because of your lack of energy, because of sin in your life, because of fear, because of an unwilling heart, you veiled yourself. And you don't feel like you've got those gifts anymore. Or, or right now you're like, I don't know, I've never been interested in any of that. It's because you're veiling it. It's time to unveil it and he gives free refills. Every time that you're like, I need more of you, he wants to give it to you. Every time you're running out of energy, he wants to give it to you. Every time you feel like you can't keep going, he wants to give you energy. He wants to give you the refill. And it's, it's power. It's not just caffeine, right? It's so much more than that. It's where you really feel like you have purpose in your life. You're really moving in his and operating in the spirit. And you feel like, man, this is why I'm alive. This is why I'm alive. This is amazing. But we have to be ready, church. Are you ready for the spirit? No? Church, are you ready for the Holy Spirit? Worship team, you can come up. Are you ready for the Holy Spirit? Come on, there has to come on. I'm preaching my heart out here. If you can't give me a little bit, what am I doing? Are you guys ready for the Holy Spirit? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you really ready? Do you really want more? Do you truly want to be empowered to love others, to help others, to minister to others, to see the lost saved? Why are we planning a church, right? If we can't get excited about his power, if we can't get excited about what he wants to do, are you ready? Let's worship during this time. I want you guys to open up your heart to the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to be ready to receive. I want you guys to know that He is willing. It does not matter what you did last night, last week, or last month. Because Jesus washed those things away. You are not unqualified. If you feel unqualified, that is Satan giving you condemnation and guilt. Jesus says, I wash it away. There is nothing that can hold you back except your unwillingness. So if you say, Lord, I am willing, I am ready, He will empower you for ministry. Can I get an amen? Can you open up your hearts to the Holy Spirit? Whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time, today, right now, during worship, I want you to open up your hearts and say, Lord, I am willing and I am ready. Please work in me and work through me and come upon me. Let's do this. Amen? Amen.